away at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. Hey everybody, welcome back to Mad Dog Pod. I'm Nate. I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. Today we're going to be talking about the Indians season so, so far, going position by position and just talking about the standings overall and discussing how we're doing, uh, how specific players are doing, who to look out for, and just overall we're going to take a broader look at the Indians season and see how we fare for the rest of the season. But before that, we have a quick update about the Browns. Andrew, do you want us to do you want to hit us with that? Uh yeah, so the Browns just made a trade uh to acquire uh a safety from the Jaguars, Ronnie Harrison. Uh safety's definitely a position that we needed uh with Delpit going down. Uh we definitely needed to acquire someone better than you know what we have with uh Andrew Sandejo. Uh he's kind of average, so I think this is a good trade for us. Um, what do you guys think? Um, I like the trade. He's uh, a young player. Um, we traded him for like a fifth round pick, so yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's just a good solid trade. He's, seems like the Jaguars are unloading everybody, so um, good pickup for the Browns. But he is a strong safety, so we're still going to need to fill the hole at free safety. Maybe that's Carl Joseph, but I don't know. Yeah, I personally don't know that much about him or haven't like looked that much into the trade yet but it's a fifth round pick there's not much that like unless we're really lucky we're not going to get much from the fifth round regardless so it's a smart trade no matter what even if he doesn't do much for us and he just fills in while players are injured it's still a good trade to fill a hole this season uh with that i think we'll just go straight into the indians so before we do any discussing of specific players. We'll just take a quick look at the standings. So as of today, Thursday, before the game was played against the Brewers tonight, the Indians are currently 23-14 and 14 with a 62% win percentage, which is really good for us, one of the best in the league this season. Um, and it puts us one game ahead of the White Sox and one and a half games ahead of the Twins, which is a really good for pis- uh, position for us given how the season kind of started when we couldn't hit the ball and the Twins just looked unbeatable. They're on a four and six run in their last 10 games. And I'm personally like extremely excited about our team. I couldn't have asked for much more in terms of win-loss over the start of the season. Like through 37 games, if someone told me that we would have 23 wins, I would take that any day of the week. I think it's the second or third most wins in the entire league right now yeah tied for third most wins in the league right now but with one less loss than that team so we're in a great spot right now um do you guys have any comments about the standing specifically um i'm happy i'm worried about the white Sox just because they've got crazy offensive power same with the twins but it seems like the white Sox they struggled at the beginning of the year but lucas gilio's turning it on and, and they're all doing well um but i'm happy with where we're at uh, we seem to struggle a little, like struggled out of the gates, but we really picked it up. And it's not like we've been just beating bad teams. Like we've competed against good teams. Like I, I would say the Cardinals are a good team, but the whole COVID thing threw their season for a loop. So 
Um, we've also beat the Twins in a series recently, and then we've beaten the White Sox multiple times. So I'm happy with where we're at. Yeah, with that, I think we'll dive into specific players, specific positions, specific areas of the team, and discuss how they're doing and what improvements we can expect or what holes the Indians have heading into what is almost certainly a postseason appearance. Like, even if we win, like, five of the rest of our games, we'll still make one of the wild card spots, given there's eight teams in the L making it this year. We'll just be one of the lower seeds. So we should be expecting a decently high seed and 100% confidence at this point that we will be in the playoffs. With that, we're going to start off with our uh, pitchers, specifically starting with the starting pitchers. So I'll get the easy part out of the way and just praise Shane Bieber for a little bit. The guy's started in eight games. He's 6-0 and with a 1.2 ERA. His whip is .82. His, the opponent's batting average against him is .163. And in 52.2 innings, he has 84 strikeouts and only 13 walks, which, like, that's, like, almost unheard of. The stats he's putting up right now are potential for, like, one of the greatest 60-game stretches by a starting pitcher, like, in MLB history. He already won Pitcher of the Month for the only month that's been played of baseball so far, and he's on track for uh, probably unanimous AL Cy Young, as well as if no one offensively steps up and has crazy numbers, he's going to be AL MVP too, just based off of his uh, his war this season which is like above two games already, even though he's only pitched an eight, which is just insane. And like all props to Shane Bieber. He's leading the – he's in top three in the league in literally every pitching stat at this point. And he's just shown that he's like one of, if not the most dominant pitchers in the league and that he deserves it to be in that Garrett Cole, Verlander, Kershaw conversation. Uh, do you guys want to fill in with anything about Bieber or just the rest of the pitchers? Um, I think you pretty much covered Bieber. Um, the guy that I've really been impressed by is uh, Sticks, Tristan McKenzie. The dude is – I mean, you like his, his talent, his arm talent just pops off when you, when you look at him. And the command of his fastball, I really love to see. Like he is able to get that fastball bottom corners each time for strikeouts, and that's something great to see in a young pitcher. Um, he's got great breaking ball and a great breaking ball. And I think he's only – he's got like a – he's 2-0 and in three starts. Um, ERA-wise. He's a sure. 1.69 ERA. Yeah, 1.69 ERA. I mean, he's just been a dominant and effective. Um, I would like to see him go further with the pitch counts. I understand why they're not doing it. But, like, he only threw 81 pitches last game. I'd like to see him go a little bit further. But um, – I'm really impressed with McKenzie and yeah. I think something that's pretty interesting with our starting pitchers this year is given the Clevenger trade, which we'll talk about at the end of this podcast episode. Um, we've had to, cause you don't want to just push your rotation up in the middle of a season and tell Carrasco, like you're the number two guy. Now you get one day less rest for your next starting position. Um, it's forced Zach Plesak into the number two position and because Zach and Clevenger had that whole issue where they went to a nightclub and they missed like three or four starts, Plesak doesn't have 
the amount of starts or the amount of innings pitched, but in the time that he's pitched, he's been putting up numbers that are somewhat comparable to what Shane Bieber has been putting up. Like he's a 1.3 ERA, 0.67 whip, um, 27 innings pitched, 30 strikeouts, only two walks, and he's looked really great. So I'm excited to see that the teams welcomed him back and that he's really stepping into that number two role. And then, I mean, I just wanted to point out, like, while the other guys like Carrasco and Savale haven't been doing as great, it's still good to see that they're not doing terrible, right? And we can still win games with them starting. Uh, But overall, great job from the starting pitchers. Yeah. Like, Carrasco has been having, like, an average season for himself. And Aaron Savale, he has like a three point, they both have around 3.7 ERAs, which isn't great, but it's good enough that if you have a decent offensive game, you can still win the ball game. So with those guys being currently our fourth and fifth best starters, even if they aren't in the fourth and fifth spot in the rotation, like all around great from our rotation. And I don't want to like beat a dead horse, but again, in the past year, we've traded Trevor Bauer, who's arguably the second best um, pitcher in the NL right now. Uh, Corey Kluber, who's a two-time Cy Young, and then just traded Mike Clevenger, and we still have arguably the best rotation in the league. It's just impressive for the Indians as a whole. Yeah. Now I think we should jump into the bullpen. Uh, Gabe, do you want to kick us off with talking about our favorite player, James Krenchak? Yeah. um, You know, the wild thing, James Krenchak or Karen Shack, um, he's actually shown some signs that he is human. Um, he does struggle. Um, one of the things coming up from the minors was that uh, his struggles were with control. He had moments where he would walk people. And the thing is, in baseball, everyone knows leadoff walks kill you. And he's given up uh, runs in each of his last two appearances, and it's because he's walked the leadoff batter each time. So um, he's, he's looked not as confident in that fastball, and he's really relying on the curve. And when he's throwing the curve for strikes, it's fine. But when he can't even get those strikes and then he has to resort to the fastball, hitters are waiting for that and then ripping him for that. So I hope this is just like a string of two bad appearances and this isn't something we're going to continue to see from Karinczak. But if you look at his overall rookie year, Pretty good season so far for James Karinczak. Yeah, like even with the two bats, or not as great appearances recently, his ERA is still two. He's pitched 18 innings and has 35 strikeouts. Yeah, I think which, he, he leads the league in strikeouts for relievers, or he yeah, was. I think he does, and he's definitely pitched way less than other relievers in the league. And he's I'm pretty sure he's leading the league in strikeouts per innings pitched because he's one strikeout away from being two strikeouts per inning, which is absurd. It's the numbers that he put up in the MLB that no one was expecting him to continue. So despite the like poor performance in his last outing, Karinczak is just, he's set up to be our closer for the next 10 years. If he, and he's set up to be a dominant pitcher in the MLB, like, He'd arguably arguably be an all-star this season if there was an all-star game. Yep. For the rest of the bullpen, it's all been like pretty standard. It's been a little bit worse than it was when we did our last update, but that's solely because we were like ridiculous, like probably the greatest pitching performance through 12 games in like recent history of baseball. But like 
Uh, Phil Maton, Maton, however it's pronounced, still doing great. He's only pitched 12 innings, but he's barely, he's only given up one run in the times that he's pitched. So great work from him there. Um, we have a couple of other guys like Oliver Perez is continuing to be a staple in our bullpen. Not as many innings pitched, but when he gets on the mound, he's been doing a great job there. And then one guy that I really want to shout out, he was his ERA still isn't that great. It's at 3.09, which is good enough for a closer who's only pitching one inning a game. But Brad Hand is, as of like two days ago, I don't know if someone passed him in the past day, he's leading the league in saves, and he hasn't failed a save opportunity yet. So after that shaky start where he gave up the four runs in extra – or. I think to send it to extra innings or to just lose the game in the ninth. Yeah, um, yeah he's, he's bounced back. He actually hasn't given up a run outside of that one game. And he's been looking really dominant. He's looking like a guy that we can rely on in the postseason where like Bieber goes seven innings, Plesac goes seven innings, hand it off to Karinchak or Perez, who then tosses it up to uh, our boy Brad Hand to finish off the game. And I think pitching as a whole – like, if we can produce enough offense, we are set up pitching-wise to be a World Series contending team. Yeah. With this pitching, if you got great pitching like this, you're always going to contend in the World Series or at least be a contender for that. Um, the thing is, is um, we've added okay, – we'll get late, get into the trade later, but I also want to mention we added Cole uh, – I know Cal uh, Quintrell from the Padres. Um, he's starter – slash bullpen. I don't know if he'll start for us at any point, but um, the bullpen in the bullpen this year, he's been all right. Um, his first outing for us, he gave up two hits and had two strikeouts and didn't give up a run. So he was good. Um, he's, he's young though. So that's the thing. He's got good talent and can be something very good. And I think the Indians see a bright future for him. Yeah, he's only 25 right now. He was drafted in the first round in 2016, so he's relatively new. And uh, this season, even with the Padres, he's been putting up good numbers, a sub 2.5 ERA. His whip is floating around 1.2, which is about where you want it and where you'd expect from like a high-quality pitcher. And he's going to be in that kind of Adam Plutko position for us, where if we need someone to pitch multiple innings in the bullpen, he can do it. Or if we need someone to fill in when, like, one of our pitchers or our starters is just, like, not ready for a game, we can throw him in to go, like, four to five innings to start us off. So I personally, he was one of the guys that I was most excited about from the trade. And at least from his first two innings he's pitched for us, he's looked really, really good. With that, I don't think there's much more to talk about with the pitching. We've been dominant. Our pitching is setting us up for big things in the playoffs. Like a pretty well-known thing throughout baseball fans is no matter how bad your offense is through the season, like offense can come and go. But if you have dominant pitching, you are a threat for the World Series, which is why like reporters recently, especially given our like win percentage right now and our win loss, have been picking us as a dark horse for the playoffs solely off of our pitching. But obviously there's two sides to a baseball game. And now we're going to have to talk about the hitting with the hitting we'll start off with actually the most exciting thing which is Fernando Reyes um for those of you who listened to our first 12 game uh like review where we talked about what happened through the first 12 games um 
we were a little critical on Ferenmo. He was hitting like 150 around that time. Mm-hmm. And we did, we did make a prediction that uh, he would hit a home run in a game and then turn it around, which is exactly what he did literally the next game after we posted that. And since then, like, he's genuinely putting up, like, close to MVP level numbers right now. He's batting 336 with a 388 on base percentage. Slugging's at 575. Um, eight home runs, which is like four off. Like, that's just good. Like, he, I think that's tied with Jose for leading our team. But he also didn't hit a home run until like the 14th game of the season. So all of those home runs have been recent. He's leading our team in RBIs now with 25. Um He's still having issues with strikeouts, striking out more than once a game, but that's to be expected with the way he hits. He could – it would be nice to see him walk a little more. He only has 11. But if he's going to be hitting 336, I'm not going to complain about anything that he does offensively, especially considering if you take out those first 12 games, he's probably hitting above 400. And it's just been nice to see him turn it around, have the support of his teammates like he talked about, and really just like – become a part of this team because something that I feared about Franmo was like when we traded for him, he's a young guy, he's coming to a new system and like, he just didn't seem like personally invested until recently. And I think some of that comes from like Carlos, Francisco, Jose having his back, but now he's like a staple in our team. He's got that fourth spot on lock in the or fifth spot on lock in the batting order. And he's just been looking great overall. So now let's start in the infield. I want to I want to start with Lindor. Uh, he has struggled at the beginning of the season, and then he started plateaued. And we were like, "Is this all he's going to do?" Because he didn't show any signs of regressing or going up. He was just plateauing. And I'm like, "Is he going to be a 250 hitter this year?" That's really alarming. And he's starting to pick it up. He's batting 283 now. Um, he's hitting more home runs. He's got six home runs, which is second in the team because friend Mel and Jose are tied for first. Um, but he's picking it up. He's not striking out as much on those curve balls or breaking balls down low inside and dirt. He's becoming more disciplined. Um, and it's really great to see him start to pick it up. If we can get Fran Mill and Francisco both batting over 300, it's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, especially considering if we look at our infield as a whole. So – they're the top four batters in our order, like we've talked about multiple times, uh, being Cesar, then Jose, then Lindor, then Carlos. Uh, if you have Lindor, who's recently been hitting extremely well, followed by Carlos, who batting average-wise isn't hitting well, but he's he's hitting 205, but he's, he's second on our team and on-base percentage right now, I think, for qualified yeah. batters with a 370 because he's walked – in uh 30 walks and strikeouts yeah he's 33 walks in 37 games which is just absurd so if you have those three guys in a row it's only looking good especially considering who comes after them which we'll talk about in the outfield being tyler naquin um for the other guys in the infield cesar hernandez had a really hot start he's cooled off a little bit but he's still batting 267 with a 355 on base percentage that's like what we'd expect from Cesar. That's like his career numbers. And I think he's done a really good job plugging directly into that leadoff role. And then Jose has been, it's been like in not so great season for Jose. He's getting on base, but his batting average isn't great. He's uh, RBIs wise in recent games has slowed down. 
I'm hoping he'll turn it around with some easy base hits. But uh, as of right now, Jose's doing nothing special. He's hitting 250. We'd expect a lot more from him. Yeah. Um, the, the final part of our infield is just the catcher position. Um, Roberto Perez is back from his injury. He's still getting into the swing of things. He's not hitting great. But, like, honestly, for the Indians, we've never really seen offensive production from a catcher. That's not what we want from our catchers. As long as Roberto Perez is on the same page with our pitchers, I'm fine if he's, like, a sub-200 hitter. It's it's the job of the rest yeah. of the players, really, to yeah. do the hitting. Also, I'll mention, Cindy Leone's been fine, but um, Austin Hedges, the guy we just acquired, like, honestly, a, a, in the top five for defensive catchers in baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, he can't hit, but – but defensively, the dude is insane. He's maybe the best pitch framer in all of baseball. So that's only going to elevate our pitching staff even more. So I'm excited to see the defensive tandem of Roberto Perez and uh, Austin Hedges. Yep. Uh, Andrew, do you want to lead us into the outfield? Yeah, so starting with the outfield, one guy that's been really great as of late is a snarf boy, Tyler Naquin. All right. Uh, over the last like six games, he has like 11 RBIs and like six hits. So, I mean, he's been and his average has been looking really nice. Uh, um, so, I mean, over the last couple of games, he's been looking very clutch for us, getting some really good hits and uh, just an overall great step up from what, you know, he was injured earlier and then came out a little bit uh uh, soft, I guess, but you know, he's been looking a lot better recently. I think that Tyler Naquin's a really interesting guy for the Indians as a whole. Like, I think since 2016, he's been kind of slept on by Indians fans because of the dropped fly ball and just how bad he was really in the World Series. Like, last year, when he, before he got injured, he was hitting like 280, 290. This year, he's hitting 284, and he's locked down the sixth spot in our batting order essentially, which like. Given Fran Mill's slugging percentage and Carlos's ability to get on base, Fran Mill hits a double, Carlos gets to third. You got Tyler Naquin coming up to, surprisingly, he's been hitting for power this year, yeah. but to just, just hit a single and drive him in. It's like, it's like a very, very good top six in the order. And I'm personally so happy to see Tyler Naquin step up. Like him, it had to be him or Zimmer. One of them had to turn out. And Tyler Naquin is doing a great job this season. Hopefully he'll see when we make this post a picture of him. But he, he's just been doing amazing for us so far. Yeah. Also, I, I think it's fair to say it's a different Tyler Naquin than what we've seen. Like, it's not like he's getting – he's just mashing low fastballs like he used to. He still does that. But he's not getting beat on high fastballs anymore. He's more disciplined. He's not swinging and missing at them. And when he does get those high fastballs, he's staying on top of them and driving them through the zone. So it's just an overall improved player from what we've seen since 2016. And he, he looks like a staple in the outfield for years to come if he keeps playing like this. Yeah, as of right now, given how, like, horrendous and how little he's been uh, Oscar Mercado has been used since the start of the season. Like I'm not even sure if he's on our roster right now. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. He got called up recently, but he was optioned to the like training facility or whatever for like a while during this season. Tyler Naquin's definitely the only locked position in our outfield. Uh, Before we talk about the other guys in our outfield, 
that like have been here the whole season. I quickly want to mention Josh Naylor. This was another guy that we got from the trade with the Padres. He's the other guy that I was personally most excited about besides Quantrill. And he's a 23-year-old outfielder, um, perf- usually right field, but if Naquin's in right, he'll probably be playing left for us, which is what he's been playing so far. Um, and overall this season, he's been hitting like 261 with a decent – or actually not that great of an on-base percentage, but he's shown really, really good upside. And given that he's 23 years old, the fact that he's like even on our roster and like performing for us already is a good sign. He had an RBI in the first start that he had. And I'm just really excited to see him Naquin in the corners of the outfield. And then if we can figure out if it maintains Delino to shields in center field, I'm okay with it. But we're, we're starting to fill the outfield, which yeah, is it, pretty good. It looks like – I mean, you said Naquin was a lock. It looks like Naylor is a lock for yeah. the the outfield position. It looks like he's going to be in the lineup every day. He's going to be starting every day. Um, I think the Indians see a lot of uh, hope for this kid and a, a lot of bright future for this kid. I think um, – I'm excited to see what he has. He's shown a little bit of power uh, in San Diego – I want to see if he can capitalize on that and hit more uh, for power, but um, excited to have him on the roster. The other guys in our outfield, um, as I just mentioned, Delino DeShields, he's also hitting really, really well along with Naquin. He's fourth in our team in batting average at 281. Um, he, obviously, it's Delino. It's not hitting for power. He doesn't he has one extra base hit on the season, very few RBIs, but he's good at getting on base. He can hit for average and defensively he's sound in the center field position. So it seems like the lineup that we're going for right now in the outfield is uh, Josh Naylor in left, Naquin in right, Delino in center, which I personally like. Obviously I would prefer if we could have Oscar's stats from last year in center field and have a young guy to look forward in center field rather than like, pretty old Delino to Shields, but given how bad our outfield started this season, the fact that right field and center field are both batting over 280 and Josh Naylor on the season's batting like 260, I'm perfectly okay with it. Yeah. And given how dominant our infield and pitching is, it's it's a it's a outfield that we can work with and still wins win games with. Yeah, the other thing about Delino, Delano De Shields, is that even though he only he doesn't get extra base hits, when he gets a single, he has the ability to take second, yeah. so he can get himself in the scoring position for the top of the lineup. So that's another key thing that he does really well compared to everyone else on the roster. Yeah, or it, say he gets a single, it's a single to right field, he can take third on a single, and he's like, it's, if it's if a single. Yeah, if, if there's an option for him, anyone in a game to get an extra base, Delino DeShields is going to get it. He's the fastest guy probably on our roster, maybe except uh, Bradley Zimmer. Uh, speaking of Bradley Zimmer, we'll just quickly go through the other guys in our outfield. None of them have really been appearing in the past, like, three games. But Bradley Zimmer, Mike Freeman, who's now an outfielder because of how good our infield is and how consistent our infield is, um, Domingo Santana, Jordan Luplo, Daniel Johnson, Oscar Mercado are all having what I would call underperforming seasons. None of them have been impressive. Domingo's gone also. Yeah, yeah, and Domingo's not even on the roster anymore. But Mike Freeman's been the best out of all of them, but he's hitting like 238. None of them have been good enough to be really mainstays in our roster. 
the only two that maybe three that I see potentially being like long-term parts of the Indians are Mike Freeman, Oscar Mercado, if he can figure out whatever the hell is wrong with him and maybe Bradley Zimmer. But at this point, Bradley Zimmer is a little bit of a stretch because him and Naquin were kind of in the same boat and Naquin has been the one to step up. So I'm not really even sure what his role is in the long term. Now uh, that we've gone through all aspects of the team, breaking down specific players and how uh, they performed, we'll discuss the remainder of our trade to the Padres and also just in general, the trades that we've made in the past two years to the Padres because we've sent a ton of players back and forth through um, parts of the Bauer trade, the Brad Hand trade, and then uh, the Clevenger and Greg Allen trade recently. So before we talk about what we got, I'll quickly just say Clevenger, he messed up in Chicago. He lost the clubhouse and he was unnecessary on our team because of how good our starters were. So I'm personally okay with dumping him. I'm okay with what we got for him. And then Greg Allen was like our eighth best outfielder. And we got a better version of Greg Allen and Josh Naylor from the trade. So no real loss there. Uh, Gabe, do you want to discuss what we've gotten from the Padres through the trade? Uh, through the trade. So yeah, we traded, obviously we know Mike Clevenger. I also just want to make a note for Clevenger. It honestly seemed like this was destined for a trade, not just because of the Chicago situation, but because the Indians, especially in this type of market with COVID-19, don't want to pay people money. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like – so if they have Bieber, they're not going to be able to pay Bieber and Clevenger. And it seemed like Clevenger was eventually going to get traded. So I think they wanted to avoid the Kluber situation where they traded Kluber a year late instead of a year early. Um, also, uh, really quickly to add on to that, Clevenger, if you look at the pitchers we had, Carlos Carrasco doesn't have much trade value. And in terms of, like, the environment and our clubhouse, untradeable. Carlos Carrasco is loved by Cleveland. He's loved by all the players. He's a leader. We cannot trade him. If you look at the rest of our starting pitchers, Clevenger is the oldest. He's not been putting up as good of stats as someone. He's getting paid the most. And he hasn't been putting up the stats of, like, a Zach Plesak this year. And Adam Plutko and, like, obviously Tristan McKenzie – and uh, Aaron Savali. Not better than Plutko. Yeah, but all of three of those guys are paid way less and have way more upside. Like, Clevenger's already in his prime. None of those guys are. So he was, even regardless of what happened in Chicago, he was going to be the guy to go. And, like, I loved him. I loved his personality in Cleveland. Same with Trevor Bauer. The two of them together were great. But, like, based off the pitchers we have, you got to respect the decision to get, it, to get rid of him. It was the right call. So... I'll break down the trade. We traded Mike Clevenger, Greg Allen, and a player to be named later. It still hasn't been named. Um, (laughs) And we've gotten back Cal Quintrell, um, starting pitcher slash uh, relief pitcher, Josh Naylor, who we've talked about, Austin Hedges, great defensive catcher. And then we get into sort of the unknowns, the prospects that we got back. We got back the number seven prospect in the Padres system, which is a deep uh, farm system. Like a number seven prospect from the Padres is pretty good. So Gabriel Arias, he's a shortstop. Um, we got the number nine prospect, Joey Cantillo. I think he's a pitcher. And then we got the number 11 prospect, Owen Miller, who is a shortstop slash second baseman. Um, I think he made the like an all-star team in double A. Um, so he's been pretty impressive. Um, the guy that I see in this trade that looks uh, – 
before actually we get into that, um, Andrew, I think you have – I think this was, this trade was talked about because it was the biggest trade of the deadline, obviously. And so we put out a poll. We asked people to uh, give their input on this. So, AC, do you have the answers from the that poll? Yeah, so in our poll, it, uh, you know, said pretty big haul for Mike Clevenger. Uh, do you like this trade or not? And it was either good trade or bad trade. 72% said it was a good trade for us, and 28% said that it was a bad trade for us. So, I mean, not unanimous, but pretty much everyone, a lot of people agree that uh, it was a good trade for the Cleveland Indians. I think a lot of Indians fans think it's a good trade, and then yeah. a lot of Padres fans think it's a ba- it was a bad trade for yeah. them, but a good trade for them. So mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people saying the Indians <clears throat> got fleeced. Um, this is what the Indians do. They trade – talent for prospects who they then bring up from the farm farm system and eventually trade them for more prospects. This is what we do. Um, And it usually works out for us. Um, What are you guys' thoughts on the trade? The one – so we already talked about the the big pieces of it were, at least for right now, are Naylor Naylor and Quantrill, and then also Austin Hedges, who I think he'll probably replace Sandy Leon as our backup catcher. He's pretty much like – just a bargain version of Roberto Perez. Really good defensively, not great at hitting. Same kind of player. But um, other than that, of the three prospects we got, the big, big one that should be honestly concerning for Indians fans, but also indicative of the future, is Gabriel Arias. So he's a minor league shortstop. If you watch his highlights, like he's been dominant in the minor leagues. He's essentially... Francisco Lindor like he's the Francisco Lindor replacement that we've been looking for and I think the fact that he was thrown in this trade as well as well as Owen Miller who is also second base middle infield shortstop um, it's a little bit indicative of our plans for Lindor we have so many shortstops in our system now like Mike Freeman's still a shortstop Yu Chang is can play shortstop we drafted a shortstop in Carson Tucker this year and now we have Gabriel Arias like I don't want to say it but I'm now way I'm way less confident that Lindor is staying after we after Gabriel Arias was added in the trade yeah I think Lindor he's gone yeah we just have to he's gone it's not gonna happen um the the guy the guy you mentioned Owen Miller you know we didn't uh, really mention Cesar Hernandez, who's having an all right season. He sort of dipped down from his previous production. But um, Owen Miller, we don't have a long-term second base option, and he seems like he could be that guy if he continues to develop. So he could be – you could see in a couple of years the middle infield of the Cleveland Indians is Gabriel Arias and Owen Miller. And then this trade would be talked about every single Indians yeah. broadcast. But, yeah, I personally – because I think Cesar, we only signed him for like a one-year contract or something. So, yeah, so I think these two guys are probably going to be have big futures on our team. I'm personally still hopeful that Lindor stays, but cause, and personally for me, like I don't know what competitive team right now signs Lindor or even needs Lindor. Like <laughs> pa- pa- Padres, Yankees. Dodgers and a lot of the top teams are all locked at shortstop. Even the, the Red Dodgers Sox. Will trade, the Dodgers will trade Seager in a heartbeat for Lindor. Yeah, I I just I don't know how much they're you willing know the to Yankees pay. Will go for it. Like the no, because the Yankees anybody. the Yankees have moved Glaber Torres to shortstop. 
Yeah, but they'll pick up anybody. They don't care. Like they just let's just grab all the talent we can get. So most likely this trade means that um, it just is like the final nail in the coffin in Lindor saga. I think he's going to be gone after this year. Or yeah, probably in the off season, same as the Kluber trade. Um, But regardless of the implications this has on Lindor as a trade itself, I love it. I think it is very, very good haul for a guy who like, he's a great pitcher, Mike Clevenger, but he lost our locker room. And he's the most dispensable of our seven starting pitchers, except maybe like Adam Pluko. Um, and then also Greg Allen, who's like our eighth best outfielder, and we got a better outfielder in Josh Naylor than him. So I think overall, this trade's a win. Um, I don't have any issues with it. Like we needed to dump one of our outfielders. It could have picked any name out of the hat of like Greg Allen, Domingo Santana, maybe even Bradley Zimmer. And like one of those guys, one of them has to go. There's just no use for all of them. So I'm fine with that. And Clevenger also like smart to get rid of him at this point. Uh, And at the end, I want to talk about Joey Contillo, the other guy we got. He's right now in single A, but he's like, he's 20 years old. He's got a lot of room to grow. And you know, if the Indians trade for a pitching prospect, they they have high hopes for him, like Clevenger. We traded Vinny Pastano, who was doing really well, for Mike Clevenger. And people question that trade. And look what Clevenger's become, right? Um, I trust the Indians with this trade. I, I think it would be stupid not to trust. With the amount of trades these guys have made, I think it would be stupid not to trust them mm-hmm. with, uh, with this. And, I mean, honestly, like, he's a young pitcher. He's a left-handed, which is good for us. We don't have any of those. He's six foot four. I don't even care what his stats are right now. He's in the Indians program now. He's probably going to become a like Cy Young winner in ten years. So, in general, like it's a good trade. Dumps two dispensable pieces for three prospects and two guys who will like be starters for us for or at least be in our rotation and one be a starter for like the next couple of years. Yeah, so one weird thing that we have with the Padres that we've been trading a lot with them over the last couple of years, right? So right now we have from them Brad Hand, Adam Simber, Fran Mill Reyes, Logan Allen, Phil Maton, uh, Cal Contrill, Josh Naylor, Austin Hedges, Gabriel Arias, Joey Cantillo, and uh, Owen Miller. And then they have from us uh, Francisco Mejia, Clevenger, Greg Allen, and then a bunch of other things. So, Yeah, I think it's really weird the, like, kind of connection we've had with the Padres over the years. And it's just, like, like kind of unexplainable that the two of us keep trading with each other. But before we wrap up this episode, I think Andrew is a bone to pick with a certain Cavalier and something that he came out and said this week. Yeah, so I think it was a day ago from when we're recording the podcast, but uh, the Cavs on Twitter and Instagram – both released a video um, and it was announcing that they're putting the uh, Jumpman Michael Jordan logo on the jerseys, on the black, like, I think it's the statement jerseys because I think every team in the NBA has to do it. And in this video, they uh, had a little thing at the beginning. It said the goat and that just immediately ticked off not only me, but every single (laughs) Cavaliers fan that saw the video because yeah. I mean you ask just about anybody from Cleveland you know what they're gonna say LeBron or anybody you know is basketball like, yeah really 
Uh, I think we've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, you know, I think we have planned on doing an episode where we just go over why LeBron is the greatest basketball player of all time. Um, but this this kind of just, I don't know, made me question my fandom a little bit. I think they're in a deal with them, so they're trying to be nice. I mean, just yeah. saying lies. Larry Nance called him the GOAT. I mean, I cringed in that part. Still love Larry Nance, but, yeah, Jordan ain't the GOAT. We all know it. It's we, fine, though. It's fine, we, though. You know? We just got to gotta be respectful until LeBron retires, and then there's going to be 15 LeBron statues in downtown Cleveland. The poster will go back up on the J.P. Morgan building. And, and LeBron will buy the Cavs. Yeah, and LeBron will buy the Cavs and draft Bronny, and we'll be a LeBron James city for the rest of our lives. With yeah. that – or One more thing about yeah. it, too. Uh, a lot of people were saying this, and even like a couple of people edited it, but uh, saying putting the the crown like LeBron logo on the jersey in the future would be really cool if we could get that if we sign back with Nike that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. they should do that for the Cavs and Toronto because he owns because it's LeBron <laughs> yeah, after all. Toronto. Yeah, uh, with that, I think that would be a really cool addition to a Cavs jersey. And honestly, wouldn't be surprised if we did it. Like, I would be, I, I would be surprised if we didn't have at least one jersey with LeBron's logo on it, just as like yeah. one game a season or like a state, a statement jersey or like a city jersey. He deserves it. He's earned it. He's gonna have multiple statues and probably banners. And twenty three is getting retired the day he retire, the day he retires. Um, yeah, they were saying like try to get Kobe's uh, insignia on a Lakers jersey too. That'd be really cool as well. Yeah. Those are just things that'll probably be happening around the league in the next coming years. With that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Thank you to everyone who listened. Um, If you haven't checked out any of our other episodes on the Indians or just any of the teams in general, they're all just, you keep scrolling on Spotify, on Podbeam or on Apple music, whichever one you're on. And they're all right there. Check out ones that are interesting to you. Yeah, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Mad Dog Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, get involved in the conversation, like like our tweets, comment, anything really helps us. Yeah, we just posted a uh, poll up on the up on Twitter about the Ronnie Harrison trade. So if you have any opinions about it, if you have any more insight than we mentioned in this podcast, please leave it in note in the comments below. But also rate. And subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podbean. And share it with a couple friends or family members that you think would be interested in this podcast. Yeah, just another update on what's happening on Twitter. One of us is live tweeting from every Cleveland sports game. So if you want to follow along, want to have a more interesting take on what's happening when you're with your updates rather than the ESPN update that just says word for word what happened and it's kind of boring, check us out on Twitter. Get involved, like Andrew and Gabe said. And overall, just thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.